This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hello there ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Um, This week, guys, we're going to invite Dad back onto the show, we had him last week. Um, I am going to put a little poll up on the Facebook group because, for those of you who haven't yet listened to it, we did the Bonnie and Clyde episode last week, so we want to just put a, uh, a poll up to see what you guys thought um i've had a few messages some guys uh so, yeah and, and i say guys because uh, i haven't had a, a message from a lady yet but some guys have said that um they were just as good as each other um i have had one that said uh, dad's was better so i'm i'm losing at the moment dad but we're going to put it into a poll and we're going <laughs> to let everyone decide what episode was better so if you haven't listened to them yet go back it was the last episode was uh dad's one and I think it's about three or four episodes ago was my one. Um, and, yeah, let us know what you think. So You've got to give them three choices. Yeah, give them three choices. So mine, Dad's, or both as good as each other. So And I know where my vote would go, because I think they were both as good yeah, as each other, I, to be I'm, honest. I'm, I'm leaning towards that. Uh, but, then, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what you guys think. Um, this week, guys, we have got an episode, and... Dad's told me about this one. I know nothing about this. Not a thing. Um, But, given the choice of two episodes today, I thought I'm quite looking forward to a bit of a laugh. And I don't know if this is a funny story, but I think you trying to pronounce some of these names is going to be quite amusing. So, I've decided to go with this episode. Um, We'll see how your pronunciation goes. So, what are we doing, Dad? Uh, We're going to go to another world. Yes, well, a completely different world to what 99% of your listeners um actually know about. Yeah, I've never I've obviously know about things like this, but it's just we've never covered it in history. I've never covered it on the show. I've never covered any this far around the world anyway. Do you know what I mean? I think I've done one episode on on Australia, but Although Australia is the other side of the world, it's very Western, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. This isn't. <laughs> no. This no, it's is not. Definitely not uh, Western. Right. So, what have we got? Um, for this podcast, I am going to take you to another world, and one in which the majority of people alive today have either very limited knowledge or none at all. Okay. This world no longer exists, and uh, it's one that is 
basically alien to everything experienced in Western culture. Mm. Okay, we're going to go over to China. But not as you would expect, ancient China. We're going to go over to China in the early 20th century. Right, okay. Okay. Um, the subject is going to be the last emperor of China and a war, more specifically, his wife. Okay. But we cover both. Yep, okay, no problem. The subject of the wife of the Chinese emperor, but she's not just any wife. She's the primary wife of the last imperial ruler of China. Okay. Now, why do I say primary? Because the emperor could have as many wives as he wanted. Brilliant. Um, below the empress or the primary wife were the imperial consorts, the concubines, and they were all ranked in in sort of really complex system of titles. And these ranks were not static. They could change based on the emperor's favour, the birth of sons, the influ influence of the women's families. So, mm. officially, by the start of the 20th century, the emperor had one primary wife, and she was called Wang Ho. Okay. He had two consorts, princesses. They were Fei. These were... This is the title. These were his wives as well? Yes. All oh, right, okay. He could have three madams, and they are Fu Ren. Okay. Nine royal courtiers, Pin. Okay. 27 hereditary wives, Shi Fui. And 81 royal wives, Yui Qi. That's a lot of that's wives. That's the names of the wives that he could have. And that's at the 20th century. Okay. So they've improved a little bit. How would he have found time to do anything else? Well, I mean, <laughs> Chinese society at the turn of the century hadn't changed much over the preceding thousand years. Okay. And the emperor was an absolute monarch. He was considered the head of the royal family, the head of the nobility, the head of the state, the judiciary, the religious hierarchy, and he was treated with great reverence and awe by any person fortunate enough to ever come in contact with him. Okay. It's like he, a god, almost. Yep. Even for the highest-ranking government officials getting through to the inner court and actually meeting the emperor, and bearing in mind few ever did, the experience was as close as they could get to divinity during their time on earth. Wow. In short, like you've just said, the emperor was treated as a living god. But he hmm. never had any privacy. All his needs were attended to at all times. He had doors opened for him. People dressing him, people washing him, people blowing onto his soup to cool it down. Every day he wore new clothes. He was never allowed to wear something twice. Wow. Chinese emperors had no constitution that set out their powers or those of the government. 
The emperor was the supreme executive, the highest le le legislative authority, the last source of appeal, and the supreme commander of the military. The emperor could direct government policy, introduce new laws, taxes, makes a make appointments, give favours, privileges and titles, dish out punishments and award pardons. He could also overrule any official or existing law. Hmm. And that includes if there was a precedence required. So if, like, he had a son and his son murdered someone, he could just outlaw that? Yeah. That's okay. It. Yeah. Kind of like Biden's doing in America, <laughs> trying to... <laughs> I thought that might. I really thought that might come up. Here comes the the part. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I really did. Think I know he's not was... a murderer. I have to point out that we, there's no uh, belief that Hunter Biden is a murderer. I'm just, you know, the uh, presidential pardon might come up at some point. Well, there's always that as a possibility, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. But uh... <laughs> sorry, about pissed off half the listeners now. I don't know. I mean, if somebody has a go at our Prime Minister, they're quite entitled to do so. Please have a go at our Prime Minister. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else does. Everybody does, yeah. And and the Emperor was, to the world, a mystical person who only a very select people ever saw. He lived in a royal palace inside a place called the Forbidden City. Access to the Forbidden City was barred to most subjects... Government officials and even the imperial family were only given limited access to the Forbidden City. Wow. The emperor alone could enter any section. Anybody who entered the palace without permission was executed. <laughs> There's no... There's no ifs or buts. That, that's what it was. Wow. Okay. So... Why am I talking about the Chinese emperor? This was the world that this gentleman was born into. Right, okay. This episode is about another person not born into that sort of lifestyle. Right, okay. And this person was called Gabolo Wangrong. Right, Somebody I suspect none of your listeners have ever heard of. No. No, I, I've... I, well, I mean, they might have done, but I've never heard of her. Okay. She was the primary wife of Poi, the last emperor of China. Okay. So we'll give you a little bit about Poi. He was born on the 7th of February, 1906. Right. And became the 11th and final monarch, final monarch of the um, Qing dynasty. Yeah, I've heard of that. He ascended the, the throne at the age of two years and ten months. Okay. In 1908. And he reigned for four years. Right, okay. In February 1912, he was forced to abdicate the throne, ending... 2,132 years of imperial rule in China and 276 years of those the Qing dynasty. Wow. China became a republic, but although the emperor was no longer the top man, 
he was still afforded the respect and the privileged lifestyle he was used to, and he continued to live in the Forbidden City. Right, okay. So in order to appear more in tune with the rest of the world, he actually decided to take a British name. Right, okay. And the name he chose was Henry. Okay. Based on King Henry VIII. See, I mean, this is... I I, I get it, because he's probably the most famous king. But he didn't do anything, did he? No, but he was... He's famous. Allegedly did things. He's the most famous. He's famous because he had loads of wives and he was fat. Like he, he didn't do anything other than that. Really, he had the Church of England, and he had loads of wives. But he never won any battles. He never went to war. He, he never. No. He didn't conquer anything. He wasn't Henry V, for example, that did. You know, took the French on a. Um, no, he wasn't. Oh, that's going to annoy me now. You're going to have to tell me the battle. The French king, he beat the French, outnumbered. Agincourt. Agincourt, that's the one. It's <laughs> on the tip of my tongue, but I couldn't think of it. But <laughs> do you know what I mean? Henry V was a better king than Henry VIII. Oh, but yes. Anyway. Anyway. Um, well, Empress Wang Rong, and I'll spell it for you because it's, it's W-A-N-R-O-N-G, Wang Rong. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was known for being the consort of the last emperor of China. Mm-hmm. And under the Qing dynasty, she was a member of the monarchy. Her time as emperor was filled with torment, tragedy, and she didn't quite have the ending that she deserved. Right, okay. So, this young lady, Gabulu Wangrong, was born on... November the 13th, 1906, mm-hmm. and she was born in Beijing. She came from a family that was considered a perfect pedigree for royalty. Her father worked as a minister in the imperial court, and her mother was from a prominent clan. Right, okay. So she, they were quite high up. When she was two years old, her mother died from what was called then childbed fever but it's now postpartum depression. Right, okay. Okay. For the rest of her life, she was brought up by her stepmother. Mm-hmm. Now, she was extremely fortunate to have a father who believed in education, and he believed that it was of great importance and made sure that his daughter had an education as prestigious as his son's. In that way, he was, like, really progressive. Yeah. He was, you know, the Western women in the Western culture were, in 1906, not exactly... No, they weren't. They weren't know, treated the same. They weren't treated the same. And um, he sent her to an American school in Tianjin. Okay. That makes sense. It helped that he was wealthy, so realistically his children didn't want for anything. Yeah. And Wan Rong left school... And uh, being able to speak English and play the piano. She was actually considered a great beauty, which basically added to her eligibility. Mm-hmm. Now, in 1922, the Emperor Poi of China, which is the country we're talking about, yeah, was only 16, got told that he was to marry. Okay. And 
the search for a bride began. Now, although he was now the figurehead, all the privileges that he had and his ancestors had, he still had. Right. But he just didn't have the absolute power. Didn't have the absolute power, but it was close. Mm. You know, it weren't far off. Yeah, they didn't kick him out completely. No. They just said, we're running the country, you get on with what you do. It wasn't a Louis XIV job, it was... No. (laughs) So, Wan Rong's father and stepmother wanted their children, or their daughter, so not their children, but the one in particular, their daughter, uh, to be his wife. Mm Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You want the best for your kids. And so her name was added to the list of potential brides. But instead of being presented with potential empresses in person, Poi was to choose the bride from photographs. Right. Bearing in mind, we are early 1900s. Photographs weren't exactly as good as they are today. No. All right. Um, The actual photographs have been lost to history, but according to witnesses who were present at the time, these pictures were not of very good quality. Mm. And being only 16 at the time, Poi chose a woman named Wexiu. Okay. His advisors were not keen on this particular idea. Uh, There were better candidates from more prominent families. And he was basically told, forget it, make another choice. Huh. There's there's your power being taken away a little bit there. Yeah. Bearing in mind he's only 16. Yeah. This time, he picked Wan Rong. At the time, she was 15 years old. But his first choice, Wing Su, was only 12. Right, okay. So he made a better choice the second time. The wedding was set for the 1st of December 1922, and the bride, who the emperor had never seen, left her house at 4am in the morning. Mm -hmm. An American travel writer, a gentleman called Richard Halliburton, was present and described the scene. Okay, so if you can imagine the scene. Yeah. Okay, at four in the morning, the gorgeous spectacle moved through the moonlit streets of Peking en route to the prison palace. The entire city was awake and people thronged along the line of the march. A forest of uh, pennants blazed and fluttered. Gold dragons on black silk, blue dragons on gold silk, swaying lanterns, gilded kiosks containing the bride's ceremonial robes and princes on horseback surrounded by their colourful retinues. Mm -hmm. There was more than enough music. And last of all came the bride's sedan, hung with yellow brocade, roofed with a great gold dragon and borne along by 16 noblemen. Now, the sedan, it's Mm. a sedan chair. Not a car. Not a car. It's a sedan chair. So it's a, an enclosed, like an enclosed carriage. Mm. You have eight men on two poles at the front and eight men on two poles at the back. And they carry... bit like Game of Thrones. bit like Game yeah. of Thrones. Yeah, a bit like Game of Thrones. Yeah, can imagine that. 
procession wound its way to the gate of propitious destiny, the central and most impressive gates at the entrance to the palace, and they stopped before it. This entrance is only for the emperor. Okay. So massive gates. Yeah, I've seen them yeah, with the dragons. Yeah, and it's the emperor's personal gate. Nobody else is allowed through it. Okay. Except on one occasion. And that occasion would be the Empress on her wedding day. Ah. The torches flared and slowly the great gates swung open. People hadn't been inside the Forbidden City. They didn't know what it was. They could they weren't allowed in it. They get in it, they get executed. Yeah. So for these gates to open, the crowd outside could see inside. Inside was a courtyard. A blazing avenue of lamps led down to a building where the procession would go. They would then move up to the throne room where the emperor waited. So into the glitter and glamour of the Forbidden City, this trembling little girl, 16 years old, hidden in her flowered box, carried by 16 princes, entered. The gates closed and the princess became an empress. Hmm. You can go to the Forbidden City now, can't you? Yes. Yeah. Wan Rong was married to Emperor Poi on the 1st of December 1922. It consisted of the marriage consisted of three lavish ceremonies. The bride wore a traditional mask during the proceedings, so she was face was covered. She also wore a crimson outfit with a dragon and absolutely if you no expense spared this is where the story really begins having finished the lavish ceremony the emperor went to another one <laughs> of course he did this time he married his first choice the 12 year old wex you wow on the same day same day Making her his number two wife or number one consort. That's hilarious. I mean, it's not funny, but it is funny. After all the ceremonies had been completed, it's now time for the emperor to consummate the marriages of his two brides. This event would take place in the Palace of, it of Earthly Tranquility on the famous Dragon Bed. It's a special bed built for the Chinese emperors and this particular purpose. This would be the first time that Poi would see Wan Rong's face. Right. Official historical record states that the emperor walked into the matrimonial chambers and upon seeing his two young brides, turned and ran away. Huh. <laughs> that was it. That was his wedding night. He, he ran, ran off. I mean, to be fair, at 16 years old, he's had his whole life handed to him on a platter. He's not going to have a clue what's going on at this point, is he? No. Nah. 
But although China remained a republic for ten years, the emperor and his wives still had the lavish lifestyle of all the previous rulers. This meant that Poi had been spoilt from the day he was born and turned him into a complete nightmare of a man. Mm. Oh, I can imagine. Uh, he was incapable of doing anything for himself. And he had a dark side that was very difficult for his wife, Wan Rong, to ignore. He was cruel. He was prone to having the eunuchs that served him beaten regularly. I mean, his advisers even tried to get him to ease off on the men, but it didn't work. Well, I mean, you say off on the men. If they're eunuchs, they're not men. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I suppose you got that. As if they actually had eunuchs in, like, the 1920s. Yes, yeah, they do. Which is something you think of as, like, 500, 600 years ago, not less than 100 years ago. Oh, yeah. Just I mean, he even confessed at one stage later on in his life that my, he said, my cruelty and love of wielding power were too firmly set for my persuasion to have any effect on me. Mm. So things were not going to go well for his wife. No, no, not at all. Not only was he a terror in the bedroom, uh, but he was also a horror to live with during the daylight. Uh, Wan Rong was forced to experience the very worst of her husband, his immature, practical jokes and things that just... it just He was just a nightmare. Um, he would burst in on her private meetings, which meant, realistically, she had no life of her own. And he would call her incessantly, complaining that he was lonely during the day. So she had to go and and see him as well as having a difficult and cruel husband she was also struggling with her new position as emperor emperor empress yeah (laughs) they lived in the forbidden city and it came with its own rules and etiquette the forbidden city was a palace complex um in inside beijing and had certain expectations, and the new empress was determined to learn them and prove that she was worthy. Um, It's said that she actually stayed up all night on numerous occasions studying the rules and regulations that were stifling Mm. and really, really um, formal. I mean, she was barely a teenager when she got married, and all of a sudden she's forced to live in a foreign city, live and deal with a husband who was cruel and demanding, and had to share her husband with a much younger Wen Xiu. Hmm. That life in the Forbidden City was boring for the young emperor and his wife, and to relieve the tedium of being an empress who was expected to do very little other than service her husband it's not surprising that she took up smoking opium yeah now unlike now it wasn't an uncommon thing to do and wan rong joined the population of the forbidden city who smoked regularly um i mean years previously the british was well, us lot had flooded China with opium from India with a view to controlling the population and gain concessions from the Chinese government. Yeah, we had a whole war about it. Yeah. That'd be a good episode, the opium wars. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. 
Um, it was legal, and in almost every street in Chinese cities, there was an opium den where people would just go buy and take the drug. Now, despite the problems, the emperor was actually pleased with his wife's new habit because it kind of made her more manageable, which is really what opium does. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's highly addictive. Um, and life for the royal family just carried on as it had done for centuries until 1924, two years after their marriage. And that's when another military coup took place. Okay. Wang Rong was a very lonely person and she was very young for her age and she enjoyed playing children's games with visitors, um, hide-and-seek and, and yeah. such like, yeah. And she often played with the servants in the same way and these games would go on for hours. Well, yeah, well, you've got nothing to do, have you? No. She's, and you know, you're seeing the same people every day because no one's allowed in. Correct. Yeah, it's not a nice place to be, no. to be honest. Um, now, their time in the Forbidden City ended suddenly mm. because of this coup. The warlord, General Fen... Now, I can't pronounce this very well. It looks like Yuxian. Zhang. Yuxian? Yeah. Yeah, Yuxian. Luke, yeah, you, um, you he marched on and captured Beijing in 1924, and he ordered Poi and his wives, plural, to leave the palace. Okay. He's now been kicked out of his ancestral home in the Forbidden City. Mm. And the new rulers weren't sympathetic towards him. They were given three hours' notice. <laughs> the Emperor, Wang Rong, Wang Xiu, they left the Forbidden City, fearing for the Emperor's life. It yeah. wasn't a nice situation to be in. Pui took refuge in the Japanese embassy, and he later made it to uh, the Japanese-controlled city of Tianjin. Yeah. Japanese were quite pleased with this. So mm. they set up a small court for him in a place called the Garden of Serenity. Okay. Now, whilst being in the Forbidden City, Wang Rong and Wexu seemed to get along, but they, when they were forced to actually flee the Forbidden City and live outside the palace the tensions between the two started to come to the surface. Mm. They began to turn on one another as they basically wanted the emperor's affection. When the emperor bought gifts for one, he had to buy one for the other. Yeah. Otherwise, they'd complain, which, to be honest, if you've got two wives, is not unusual. Well, women just complain for the fun of it anyway, to be honest, <laughs> from my experience. Although Wang Rong and Wexu had experienced tensions and considered each other their rivals, they were also the only friends each other had. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Now, both women hadn't bargained for a life in exile, and after the 
1924 coup and the years away from the Forbidden City caused them all sorts of problems. Mm. You can imagine. By 1930, Wen Xiu had finally had enough. She filed for divorce. Hmm. That's probably never happened in their 2,000-year history. No, it hasn't. No. No. And it was a big, big thing. I mean, it was a huge thing. It was probably the most... I don't know. I can't think of anything else that would be as big yeah. as the emperor's second wife divorcing him. Mm. To the Chinese people who still believed that their emperor was God on earth. God on earth. That someone could be that disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the emperor was he didn't he didn't agree to it and he did everything he could to stop it. Yeah. But it only made her more determined and she wanted her freedom. I mean he was shocked that the imperial consort, Shu, which was her official title, had even dared to consider divorcing him, let alone actually go through with it or try. There had never been a consort in King Dynasty history who had actually divorced an emperor. <laughs> Once a consort entered the palace, she was expected to remain to the emperor until the end of her life. If he was divorced... Emperor Poi would be public humiliate, publicly humiliated. Yeah, no shit. And and that just wasn't acceptable. Yeah. This argument was actually countered by Wen Xiu. If he refused to divorce her, she would take him to court. And the humiliation would be much greater because it would air the details of the Emperor's marriage in public and make headlines around the world. Hmm. Um, And he knew that he would lose in court because there was a new Chinese law which stated that men and women had equal rights. And Uh. so the law would not be on his side. Hmm. We're talking 1930. China... Yeah. You know, what was going on in 1930? Believe it or not, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was thinking more the Great Depression. The Great Depression um, and all the other bits in in, in the Western world. So China was actually quite sort of... I was going to say, on that basis, is China not slightly ahead of the West? Because... Very much Women didn't get the right to vote until the late 1930s. Yeah. I'm sure it was. I'll have to double-check that, but I'm sure... On that basis, that would put China ahead. Yes, very I'm much double so. Check that now. Um, and against the emperor's wishes, the divorce went ahead, and they were divorced on the twenty-second of October, nineteen thirty-one. But oh, okay. When- I'll just say uh, no. The uh, women got the right to vote in nineteen twenty-eight, not thirty-eight. So yeah. this is nineteen thirty-two years. Two years before. before, so they were pretty close. Yeah, you know, to to the west, which you wouldn't have thought so, would you? No. Anyway, carry on, sorry. That's okay. Wen Xiu was stripped of all her royal titles and reduced from royalty to a commoner. Hmm. Well, basically, that's what somebody should do to a certain person <laughs> in this country. Are you on about the royals or are you on about the... 
Uh, how would you put them? Who? I'm Parliament? Talking, or? No, I'm talking about Megan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah I was going to say, I didn't think you'd be digging at the Royals, because you're, you're like me, you're a big Royal fan. Yeah, so... But anyway... And Andrew, he can go as well. Oh, I don't mind Andrew, he's all right. He's a nonce. No, he's not. He hasn't done anything wrong. He hasn't broken a single law. Innocent until proven guilty. Well, how can you prove... How if, can you physically prove that something has happened when the person making the complaint is over the age of consent? In this country? Yeah. Not but, in the country where it happened. But it's over the age of consent. Therefore, he I hasn't think, done anything I wrong. Th- I mean, the thing, the thing... Yeah, I mean, the thing that gets me with Andrew is the fact that... I know this is completely off subject <laughs> Of course now, it is. But... <laughs> It's the fact that he hung around with a known human trafficker and a known paedophile. Now, if my my best mate, right, Lee, you got some of you guys will have heard him on the podcast. He does we, me and him do another podcast. And if I even suspected for one second that my best friend, not just someone I hang around with, my best friend was involved in human trafficking and underage, I would never want to be seen with that person again and andrew but, repeatedly went back to the island I, he did you just can't but again innocent until proven guilty and he wasn't proven guilty he did pay 10 million quid, though, to get yeah, out so it. did michael jackson and michael jackson's still innocent of things so oh, you're going down that line mm. if you're innocent until proven guilty and we go with that like the bonnie and clyde mm. one you're looking at a situation where they're innocent until they're proved guilty. Once they're proved guilty, hang on, drop him like a stone. But yeah. until he's not proved guilty, he's innocent. If he's innocent, why can't I go around and see my mate? Oh, I think, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> difficult one. Yeah. Very difficult I'm one. I'm not a fan of Andrew, but we'll, uh, we'll leave. I'm not a fan, but I don't dislike him and i think he's all right (laughs) (laughs) anyway moving on let's get back to china nothing enough about the british (laughs) yeah um well the emperor couldn't understand why this had happened Uh, because after all he hadn't done anything wrong so the the fault has to lay with the empress yeah because he doesn't know what he's done no yeah But Wan Rong remained with her husband for the few luxuries that were still available to her. But she now had the added problem that her husband felt abandoned. Um, And they would both actually, later life, refer to uh, Wang Xiu's divorce as treason. Oh yeah, I think on that basis of the way their system works, it kind of is. Yeah. Uh, I mean... (laughs) If he thought that life in the Forbidden City was boring, life in the Garden of Serenity was extremely boring. Yeah. Especially for the young emperor and his wife, because he was still young. The official reason for Wang Rong actually smoking opium was to help her with her constant headaches. It became known that she was smoking this drug. Yeah. And... They put the information out that it was to help her with her headaches that she was getting. Reality, I mean, she weren't getting headaches. I mean, it would clear a headache, but it would clear every other bloody pain you've got as well. Yeah, I mean, 
Her drug taking was frowned on by the majority of the court, but, like I said earlier, it was approved of by her husband, and he was the emperor. Um, it made her more subdued, and it made her easier to handle, which, to be honest, he liked. But it wasn't wrong before her opium addiction really became public knowledge. Mm. And it was known to the court, and they didn't like it. But when it, become but when it becomes public, public knowledge, different. then other things start to go wrong. Mm. And Wang Rong's physical health began to suffer. I mean, she wasn't a really strong girl anyway. Um, and she began to develop illnesses which became worse and it became really chronic and as well as these physical illnesses she became, she began to suffer mentally as well um, i mean on several occasions she was actually found wandering around a palace completely naked and off her trolley hmm. which for the empress is not a good thing no but for london it's like a normal saturday yeah. night so can you imagine uh was it Trump's wife or Biden's wife or yeah, that'd be quite uh, embarrassing. King Charles as Camilla's Ugh, wandering down. Oh. You know that that sort of thing. That's that not happened. A, that's it's not an not image. An, you and want. that's now. That's now. So you go back into that the age when this is set. It was even worse. Mm. I'm not a fan of Camilla either. If you wanna <laughs> chalk up the royals, I don't like. Oh, see, I like them all. I really do. Apart from Harry. I think Harry's a prat. Yeah. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And very, very... Um, manipulated. Manipulated. That's how I would put it, yeah. I don't think he's, on the face of it, a a bad person. He's just... It's just Harry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we forgave him for wearing a Nazi uniform, so... Do you remember that? We did. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, he's... It's fair play to him. He is a prince of this country, and that can never be taken away from him. But he hasn't... Um, he's, he's doing his ...covered best. himself with glory, no, shall we say. he's doing his best to put the middle finger up, isn't he? Well, yeah, I suppose that. Anyway... We yes. go back to Poi. Back to China, yeah. <laughs> Poi. Um, the Emperor Poi wanted more out of life than just being an exile, and it led him to write to the Japanese Minister of War, asking him to be restored to his throne. Right, okay. So he's in a Japanese-controlled area of China, because we are now in the, the middle of the Chinese-Japanese mm -hmm. War. Yes, yeah, that started in he is in nineteen thirty three, didn't it? Time where he um he is in a Japanese controlled area of China. Yeah. And he's now asking the Japanese to return him to his throne. Mm-hmm. Now this this request suited the Japanese. Of course it did. Yeah. Because they can win the war and have a puppet in place and Exactly. Yeah. So they didn't agree as such, but they decided that they'd move him to the Japanese colony of Manchukuo. 
Okay, that's how the Chinese present it. We present it. We um, pronounce it as Mancuria. Yeah. Okay. Northeast China. Now, his wife, Wang Rong, tried to desperately dissuade him from taking up this role. But he ignored his her pleas and he went. Hmm. It didn't take her. No, he just went on his own. He went. I mean, it's not an easy thing for him to do because technically he's siding with the enemy. Um, and this hmm. basically turned the people against him. They started to believe of him as a traitor. Yeah. The emperor, which, you know, that's like... He was actually forced to leave the Garden of Serenity in the boot of a taxi. Wow. It's a bit different from the life he used to lead, isn't it? But despite these, he made it to Mancuria and he was crowned emperor in 1934 and installed in the Salt Tax Palace in the city of uh, Changshun. Okay. But like you said, in reality, he was just a puppet ruler who was expected to defer to the Japanese emperor. Hmm. Um, Wang Rong didn't go with her husband. She couldn't escape in the back of a taxi boot. Yeah. I think your Americans would call it a trunk. They do, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, we call it a boot. Cause trunk is on an elephant. <laughs> trunk is on an elephant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas a boot is where you put your boots yeah. in the back of a car. Yeah. Which is why it's called a boot. Yeah, which is why you also call it a booty for your mm. ass. Yes. An ass has an R in it. It's not an ass. An ass is a donkey. An ass is a donkey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could do an episode on just but people butchering the British language, shouldn't we? <laughs> well, they're not... They're not that's the, that's the misconception. They're not having a go at the British language. The English. They are having a go at the English well, language. I was trying to be inclusive of the Scots. They speak English. They do, yes. <laughs> As does most of the world. Just with a budget Apart accent. from the Chinese, yeah. Yeah. But uh, Wang Rong did eventually join her husband. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, but when she went up there, mm. she was met with people who really didn't want her to see her husband. In fact, it was so bad that she began to believe he'd been killed. Wow. And that's why she wasn't allowed to see him. Okay, so... That's that must be quite bad, really. Well, yeah. You know, um, I mean, her husband had enemies. So did his wife. And um, one of her enemies was Poi himself. He began to dislike her. Hmm. After finally reuniting in Japan couple became more and more distant um i mean they didn't share a meal for over three years wow <laughs> yeah and and the japanese weren't favorable towards her but that was because of her initial reluctance to actually go to mancuria mm. i mean it was so serious that on the uh 
1st of March 1934, she was crowned Empress. Yeah. She wasn't allowed to go. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So she wasn't even invited to her own coronation. Wow. Uh, I mean, the Japanese believed she was a traitor and would end up humiliating the emperor. Hmm. So life for her was proving to be a little bit of a nightmare. Yeah. She was lonely, depressed, despised by the people, ignored by her husband. Not only that, because of the coronation thing, she tried to get out. Yeah, I can understand that. Not once, but several times. I mean, it wasn't unknown for officials visiting her husband to receive a visit from his wife, begging them to help her leave. Wow. Um, And if she had done, maybe she wouldn't have got really into heavy opium addiction. She did, and that increased her feelings of isolation and depression. She felt helpless. She was never, ever going to get away from her husband. So she began to betray him in more ingenious ways. She had a couple of affairs, and two of them were the Emperor's personal bodyguards Hmm. and his aides. The first was one of his personal close bodyguards gentleman called Li Tiu now this ended when the emperor who was completely unaware of the relationship just sent him away to America to study English fair enough um, so what did the empress do she found somebody else and she latched on to Poi's driver fair enough gentleman called Ki Jizhong. Again, the emperor had no knowledge of the affair. And he wouldn't do. He's not talking to his missus. No, yeah, (laughs) that's true. That was until she revealed that she was pregnant. Ah. Well, it obviously wasn't the emperor's, because they'd never actually slept together. Oh, dear. (laughs) It turned out that the father was actually the first one, the emperor's bodyguard, Li Chiu. Wang Rong gave her husband an ultimatum when the child was born. He must accept the child as his own or allow it to live away from the imperial system and out of the palace. You get two choices. You yeah. either accept it or you get, or, or you know, it gets looked after. To be honest, in that situation, he's probably better accepting it because then at least the public don't know. The child was a little girl and she was born in 1940. Mm. So we're in the middle of the Second World War now. Yeah. From the British point of view, the Americans didn't come in. They weren't at war Not at this until point. 1941. But immediately... The child was born. It was taken away by the emperor's servants mm-hmm. under sus- specific instruction from Poi, the emperor himself. <laughs> a baby was thrown into a furnace. Oh. And when she begged for the child 
and where is my baby? And you can imagine what was going on. Yeah. The story was put out that the child had been taken to a hospital where she was being taken care of by a nurse. What actually happened was the emperor, being his cruel, sadistic self, actually told her exactly what happened. Wow. Um, and this revelation caused the empress to just... Pfft, she lost it. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Opium took over. Uh, from the day that she learned of her child's fate, it is said that she remained in an opium, opium haze for the rest of her life. Yeah, I can understand why in that situation. Uh, she was smoking up to two packets of cigarettes a day, laced with large quantities of opium. Now, a packet of cigarettes wasn't a packet of 20. No. That was huge. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, the smoking caused her teeth to go black, um, and most of the time she had no idea what she was doing. Her behaviour came more and more erratic. Her actions were seen as rebellious. She stopped washing her face, hair. She stopped cutting her fingernails. She stopped dressing appropriately. At dinner parties, those that she was ever invited to, she just walked around and ate any food from anybody's plates and was never aware of it afterwards. She became skinnier and a lot thinner, despite all the the, it, uh, the eating that she was doing. Yeah. Her eyesight started to fail, and eventually she struggled to actually walk. Makes sense. It does do that to you, doesn't it? Hmm. Now, the Second World War was coming to an end. So we're talking mid-40s. Yeah. And the Russian army started to close in on Mancuria. The Japanese, they're not going to fight the Russians. They are going to lose. They have enough problems with the Americans. They're losing against the Americans. Yeah. Drastically. They don't want to get engaged with the Russians because they've seen what the Russians are doing to the Germans. Yeah. So, basically, they... Uh, Roy's court was hastily packed up. Him, his opium-addicted wife, his servants, and everything everything he had left the city by train. But they had nowhere to go. The, the, the Russians had bombed all the train stations and the surrounding areas, so they had to turn back. It was then that the emperor... And the male members of his court decided yep. they would leave by aircraft. Yeah, seems like a good option. And they would fly out of the city. So on the 16th of August, 1945, they left. Realising there was no space on the plane for anybody other than him and his advisers, he left the Empress in the city. Hmm. <laughs> Okay. She's not exactly popular anywhere now. No. So, uh, after being abandoned by her husband in Mancuria, Wang Rong tried one last attempt at saving herself. She, along with a group of other royal women who had been left behind, 
tried to flee to Korea. Yep. It failed. In fact, neither plan worked. The Emperor's party was captured by the, the Russians in the city of Shenyang, and he was taken to Siberia and imprisoned. Okay. But he wasn't treated badly. They knew who he was. He was the Emperor of China. Yeah. Be like when we locked royals in the Tower of London. Yeah. You, you know, you could still walk around the grounds. His wife, however, wasn't quite so fortunate. She and her companions were captured by Chinese guerrillas as they'd attempted to get to Korea, and they were caught in January '46. They were all thrown in jail. But it wasn't long before they realised that they had the Empress. Now, it's no secret that the Chinese people hated the Emperor. Mm. And by extension... They, they also hated, hated her. Yeah. They just saw her as a, an an extension of the emperor. And yeah. since they couldn't get his their hands on him, they took out their revenge on his wife. They put her in a cage and they displayed her like a zoo animal uh, before putting her in a cell. So they stuck her outside the prison in a cage. Look at this. This is your empress. Hmm. <laughs> Not very nice. She was left with only a small amount of opium. So that quickly ran out. And it ran out while she was in prison. She then began to experience withdrawal symptoms with hallucinations and delirious and she went she went in basically went into one. She went mad. Yeah. Um so to be honest, what did you think the Chinese guards did? Just leave her to it. They made sure that her cell was visible and they charged people to come and watch the Wow. <laughs> watch the Empress. And and she just became a zoo exhibit. She was deprived of food and to be honest, she actually starved to death because they didn't feed her. Um, and that was realistically to the amusement of her guards. Yeah. Uh, she died aged 39 on the 20th of June, 1946. And nobody knows where she's buried. She probably isn't. It's possible she isn't. Yeah. So. So, the Empress is gone. Hmm. She did not have a very good life. No, it doesn't sound like it. Um, it was three years before the Emperor was actually informed she'd died. He probably wasn't bothered. Uh, to be honest, no, he wasn't. No, I was going to say. He just didn't care. Eventually, the Soviets sent him back to China. This was in 1950. Mm. Uh, they sent him back because they were convinced that he'd be shot the minute he set foot in China. Yeah, I think that was... That would make sense. He arrived in China, and they stuck him in prison. Yeah, that makes sense. They had the communist rulers of China, because it was communist by then. Yeah. 
they had no intention of executing a former emperor. No, well, that's not going to look good on them, is it? So what they planned to do was brainwash him into becoming one of them. Prison life wasn't very good for him. I mean, he's incapable of doing things like brushing his own teeth or tying his shoelaces because they've already been done for him. Yeah. Right. He was laughed at and bullied by other prisoners. In fact, it would be most likely he would have been murdered except he fell under the protection of the prison warden, uh, Jin Yuan. Yeah. For nine years, he went underwent an intense program of re-education. He was forced to confront the crimes that he that had been committed by the Japanese in his name, and was slowly worn down until he became a believer in the communist system. Rulers of China were absolutely delighted with their brainwashing and they released him on licence where he went to live with his sisters in a small house in Beijing. Wow. He returned to China as a commoner in 1950. He was released on licence and started living with his sisters in Beijing and he was given a job as a road sweeper. Wow, that's mental to think of but what he where he, he was. He couldn't read a map. He, he just just wasn't with him, so he kept getting lost. <laughs> so eventually, he became a gardener in the Beijing Botanical Gardens. But here's the bit that really gets me. He went to the Forbidden City, yeah, and acted as an impromptu tour guide in the Forbidden City, pointing out exhibits and places in the museum to his fellow tourists on the guides. These were, ironically, items he actually owned. Yeah, I suppose technically he did, didn't he? He's showing people around his old house, his old city, the Forbidden City. Wow. He died... On the 17th of October, 1967, at the age of 61, he started out life as a spoilt boy king whose every whim was acted upon by an army of surgeon servants, and he died a gardener. <laughs> wow. Never again would China be ruled by a monarch. Poi was the 12th emperor of the Qing dynasty he was the last hmm that's very very interesting I'll tell you what though do you ever think they'd go back to that like do you think people in China think do you know what it was better with an emperor than it is under the communists um I don't know I don't think they would ever be allowed well yeah to to say that, even if they thought it. Um, and equally, I don't think an emperor like was, mm. so 100 years ago now, um, would ever come back. You can't have somebody who is... A divine treated ruler. ...treated as a divine ruler and, yeah. you know, 
if you saw them that was if you if you even if you saw them it was the highlight of your life you know and they could do absolutely anything they liked mm. i mean whilst doing the research for this he didn't treat his servants very well i mean i didn't mention it in the actual yeah I the notes that i've got but he used to fire air rifles at them ashley cole did that at a chelsea training ground you should fire 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 air rifles at, at the um at the servants. You know, and he'd send them on a on, on an errand that was impossible to to do. Like and, go and get tartan paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or a glass hammer. Yeah, that sort of thing. And yeah. and when they came back, he'd punish them because they couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a nice person. No. But he was the last emperor of China. It's very interesting. I mean, and I, I mean, obviously, coming from a a country that still has a monarchy as well, like, you can see the the absolute monarch as something that we used to have in this country. Yeah, for a few hundred years ago, yeah. Yeah. And... I mean, we've uh, improved it. <laughs> uh, I mean, you say that, but then realistically like my personal opinion is i would much rather be living under king charles and not have a parliament not let them decide and just have one ruler who makes all the decisions as long as they don't get power mad it would be a nice idea but unfortunately you then end up with a dictator yeah who can do what the hell they like and therefore yeah, it is, goes too is, far. It goes it? too far. Um, there's always got to be some form of restraint, which is why there's, in our case, the Houses of Parliament, the two houses. Yeah. Um, in America, they have the the Senate and other things. I'm not up on American politics. Congress and the Senate, they have. You know, so um, so so there are there has to be some way. I mean, if if you suddenly, me or you got asked go to Buckingham Palace to meet the King. For me, that would be one of the highlights of mm. the whole life. Yes. So I suppose you can understand that if the the emperor was um, the divine ruler and he's, you know, there must have been something else even yeah. better than that. Because we know, you know, King Charles is King Charles. Yeah. You know, he's just a normal person that happens to have been born into that family and therefore he has the title. Yeah. And the privileges that go with it, but the privileges aren't as fantastic. They're not as glamorous as, as glamorous. They're not as glamorous as they're made out to be, and they're certainly not as glamorous as not years what, ago. No, no. But yeah, I mean um, that's why there's a massive debate in this country, isn't there, in regards to whether we should even have a royal family? Yeah, and, yes, we should. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. They. Oh, you're on the same wavelength I'm as me. Of the opinion, if I feel that I was ever to meet him, yeah, or Whatever, whoever the ruler is in the country, or the monarch, shall we say, um, I would be privileged, and I would be like meeting Boris Johnson or Rishi Sunak or any other prime minister is not the same. No, it's not. You know, you can say to um, your American listeners if they were invited to the White House, to meet the president. Although he's elected and, and, and I don't know, but he's he the, is still the top of the tree. Yeah. That would be a privilege to, I would say, the majority of people. Yeah. Irrespective of what party that 
that president yeah. actually it was. Yeah, no, I agree. So, as to going back to um, an emperor for China, no, I don't think they would have one per se. They might have one as a figurehead. Yeah. Which is roughly what we've got. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of... Yeah, I mean, I... I I'm on a fifth... Well, they'll never get the vote in China for it, so it's never going to happen. It'd be nice to think that they could move away from something well, like that, but, I mean, they're, they're the, as close the, to a the, dictatorship the, the as you're going to get. principles of communism... <laughs> um, <laughs> Tread carefully, because they, they listen. <laughs> no, the, the principles of communism are quite sound. Yeah. Everybody is equal. Yeah. Everybody has the same everybody has an equal share of whatever is going. Mm. The problem there is your brain surgeons and rocket scientists are being paid exactly the same as somebody who's a street sweeper. Yeah. So where's the incentive? I always put it down to if you've got a classroom of 30 pupils, um, 10 of them are getting A's, 10 of them are getting C's and D's, and 10 of them are getting F's. In a communist society, everybody gets a C, which means those kids that are working extremely hard are not getting the grade they deserve. Those kids that aren't working hard enough are getting more than they deserve, and therefore the kids who are better off, the kids who are getting the better grades and dragging everybody else up to the average, they're not going to put in the same amount of effort. So as a whole those grades that would normally be a C on average are going to drop down to D's and E's because those kids are thinking, well, what's the point in putting in all this effort if when I'm, I'm only going to get the same as everyone else? That's the principle. The reality is slightly different because the yeah. reality is if you are in the government and can actually do something about something, mm. then you might get paid the same, but you get the extras. Yeah. So you get the car you get the bigger house. Yeah. You get this. So the idea is sound. The reality is it's impossible to do. Yeah. Because you're always going to have somebody who is higher up. Mm. You cannot tell me that the, the president of China is on the same level as the bloke who sweeps the street or cleans the, the, the horse shit out from the zoo. No. You know, it just doesn't work that way. So... Yeah, the principle is sound, but the, the actual practicalities of it is it's an impossibility. Yeah, it'd be lovely if, to be honest, communi- if communism actually was as, and and it listened the whole principles of it, and everybody was on a level playing field, the world would be probably a much nicer place. But hmm. it just wouldn't, just reality wouldn't work. But then, is what we've got in the West better. So you have Sometimes, this, situ- yes. Sometimes, you have this situation no. where the person who's got the most money dictates what everybody else does. Mm. So your big corporations will say, we want to do it this way. And irrespective of whether it's good for you or you, yeah, this it's is good for it's- us that this is how it's going to be done. Yeah. So <laughs> there I mean- is no straight answer. No. You know, this I mean, personally, I love the way we are in this country and the way things work, mm. but there are faults with it. Yeah. 
One of them's called uh, Sadiq Khan, the mayor do of London. Get me, <laughs> do not get me on that subject. No, we'll leave the mayor of London out of this. Mr Khan is, yeah, he's not my favourite person. He's a knob. I would love <laughs> to turn around and say the same, however... I don't live in London. I, I live in London. I can say what I want. He's got no jurisdiction any, over me. Any person who brings in or spends a lot of money. Now, basically, he's in charge of London yeah. transport. So yeah. the buses and the trains, the tubes and everything in London. They lost a lot of money because they gave, amongst other things, free uh, travel passes to school children. Yep. Great idea because you'd rather have school children not walking around. Yeah, that sounds, you know, sounds coming quite... home. It's a great idea, but they lost a lot of money. So, in order to, my personal opinion, in order to recoup this, he's brought in something called the ultra low emission zone. Mm. So they take the emissions of cars and they classify them. Yeah, and if your car puts out too many, too much emissions. They you charge you for driving in London. Nice idea. £12.50 a day. Yeah. And if you live in London and you've got one of those cars, that's tough. It's still £12.50 a day. Yeah, I think that's wrong. They give you a discount. It's very, very minimal. Something like £1 off or something. Yeah. It's not a lot. I can't speak because I my car is fortunate enough to pass it. But they've got these cameras and they just take photos. And it's, it's all electronic. Yeah, so your car drives in, the owner of that car gets a ticket. Yeah. And if you don't pay it, it goes up. And that works out. If you drive your car in London, because you live in London, and it doesn't meet the ULEZ, it's around £4,000 a year, in addition to your tax, your maintenance, your fuel, your insurance, and everything mm. else. And then if you actually work in central London or inside the congestion charge zone, you have to pay again. Yes. Because we have a congestion charge. The, the first, If you're on the, sort of the outskirts of London, you can have, you have the ULEZ. And then the closer into central London you go, there's a congestion charge, which is that £17 a day? It's, I don't know. I never it's go in that far. About I used £17 to pound a day. So if you drive into London, so let's say, for example, you... You live in London, and you drive into central London for work. As soon as you start your engine, that's £12.50. It then costs you £17 to get into work. If you then happen to stay at work past midnight... You get charged again. When you leave work to come home, you get charged both of those again. Yeah, because it stops at midnight. It's 24 hours. It's not a rolling 24 hours. No. It restarts at midnight. yeah. Yeah. So you could go for a... Six-hour shift at work overnight and be charged fifty quid. There are days when the congestion charge doesn't work, and that is Christmas day. Weekends, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Weekends and Christmas day. Yeah, it's just it's just wrong. But you know, and that all that money goes to him, Mr. Khan's transport for London. Yeah, yeah. And and meanwhile, crime statistics are through the roof in London. So. Oh, are we going down that? No, line, no, we're we? not. No, we have, we, we we can do that another time. We can go down crime, crime statistics. statistics. I think crime in London has always been. You know, you go to the Victorian and Jack the Ripper era, and crime in London has always been. It's just it's, worse it's now. so easy to report it now. 
and you have social media. Everybody's got a true, phone. Yeah. Everybody's got something else. So if somebody trips over outside the house on a paving stone and and injures their knee, somebody's got a photograph of yeah. it. So, you know, and, and, it, and it's instant. I think more of things like stabbings and burglaries and things like that that would normally be reported has gone up. I mean, stabbings in London are up something like 300% since he took over. So, you, Yeah, you say that, but even 300% is... It's a I lot. Mean, it's a lot, but when you look at the number, the actual numbers, mm. and for a city the size of London, which has, to be honest, 12% of the total population of the UK yeah. in it. To put this into perspective, the population of London, I was talking to one of our listeners, Paul, you speak to Paul, um, he lives in Buffalo, in New York, and the entire state of New York, which includes Buffalo, Manhattan, um, you know, it's, it's huge, New York State is huge, New York State is bigger than the whole of the UK, there are 19 million people that live in Buffalo, uh, in New York, the state, not just the city, the whole state, London has 12.5 million, 12.5 million, just in London, which is a city similar size to Manhattan, yeah, do you know what I mean? And that's that just There's twelve million people here, and in London, so I twenty-five square miles, less, less than a hundred yeah. stabbing deaths a year. No, uh, yeah. teenagers, yeah, less than a hundred a year. So, although it is, yes, it is, it is a big problem. It's it's nowhere not as big near a problem as other places in the world. Yeah, because. You can walk down the street and, yeah, somebody might be carrying a knife. People have always carried knives. Mm. Um, teenage, they're not teenage gangs. They're kids who have a bit of a disagreement. And when I was at school, the disagreement would you go, you walk up to them, you'd smack them in the face and you'd punch them and yeah. that'd be it. Now, if they did that, the person who lost would come back and stab them and get a knife and stab them. And, and, Yes, there are injuries, and yes, we do get a few hundred stabbing injuries per year. And but it's less than a hundred deaths per year. I think there's something about twenty. I'm not sure this year, but I think it's about twenty-five teenage deaths in London through stabbing mm. this that's, year. That's not twenty twenty-three. It's not like it's not as bad as the media make it out there. No, um, but it's not good. No. Oh. But yeah, and, and <laughs> if you're still with us, if you're still with yeah. us with this one, congratulations because yeah. we've added a little bit on the end of this one. Uh, do you know what though? I've actually had messages from people saying stuff like that when you, when we sort of add the random little bits at the end. They quite enjoy that because it's it's general chat. Yeah. And, yeah. and to be honest, I'm quite happy with the general chat. You yeah. know. Um, it wouldn't hurt occasionally to just do one of the and just have the general <laughs> just, chat. Just have a general chat about things. Yeah, well, well, there you go. That might be an episode for us one day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, like I said, there's loads of we could ooh, just punch in the microphone. We could have conversations all day about things like this. But um, yeah, like I said with in regards to that episode, we'll we'll go back to it because obviously. We're, what are we on? Sort of an hour and 15 to an hour and 20 minutes at the moment. But um, that episode, didn't know a thing about it. Didn't know anything about it. And I, I mean, when you mentioned it, I thought, the only the only person in China I know that I've ever heard of for 
something I wanted to do um, was the old pirate queen of China. Yes. Which is an episode that I am looking at doing because I've done a few pirate ones, so that might be one for me to do. Um, but I don't know anything about Chinese history. It's not something we're taught in this country. We The only thing we're ever taught about in about China is Chinese New Year. That's it. That's the only thing we're ever taught in this country. Yeah. We're not taught anything else. Um, you know, so didn't know a thing about it. Very, very interesting. And and I find it very interesting that we can link it to parts of British history, even though it's the other side of the world. And it is completely different to what we're It's used completely to. different to what we're used to, yeah. So, but yeah, no, let us know, guys. Um, I know you guys are really quite interactive at the moment which i love you know i think i've had about five or six um people more than what we normally get interacting when it comes to the episode so um i will put that um poll up on facebook i've said this i said that at the start so if you're still with us i'm gonna put a poll up on facebook um and we'll decide which episode was better mine or dad's for the bonnie and clyde one but this episode um i say it every week guys if you do have any points that you want to make about it if there's anything that you enjoyed anything you didn't enjoy let us know drop us a message if yeah, you want i mean i don't see i personally don't see any of the messages no that you get the only ones i see are the ones that are actually on facebook yeah and i mean there hasn't been that many recently no. and and if you do if you do want a message dad directly he's on the facebook group i'm sure yeah, yeah, if you've got any messages, just so I said, drop them, drop them across. You don't have to message me. You can message Dad. He's That's he's right. happy for that. And I do have uh, any of any of the podcasts that I have done for for you, Dan. Yeah, um, I have pictures uh, that might bring yeah. it to life and things. Yeah, because um, I only tend to put one up. You only for... put one up, and then, and I can do it. Some of the pictures. I mean, I have um, pictures of um, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. At the autopsy, which I will not put on Facebook because obviously we don't want to get. Mm. Any other. But if you, you know, I can. I was going to put one of them up as well, and I thought, no, don't do it because you're just going to get banned. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I have pictures. I mean, I've got pictures of the Donald Campbell one. Obviously, yeah. no photographs of the Titanic. No. Or the no. Roman one, the Tudorberg Forest, or some of the no, others. No, that, that was one I didn't didn't think I could even get a photo for. I think I just put a Roman soldier up. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, so, you know, I've done... I've we've done a few. few. Yeah, we have done a few. But, like I said, you know, drop us a message on any, on any platform that you've got. Um, and if you don't want me to do any more, just let me know, because obviously it is that, your podcast. That's never come across from anyone, <laughs> believe it or not. No one's ever said that. So, um, in fact, it's more the opposite. We get people sort of saying, you know, they'd like more. So, uh, well, I have some in the pipeline. Yes, we have. We have got a few in the pipeline. So, but yeah, let us know. Drop us a message. Um, I'm not going to bang on about Patreon or anything like that this week. You know where it is. You hear it every week. So, we'll leave. We'll leave it there. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.